Good day, everyone, and welcome to my favorite time of the day, Sports from the Basement NBA show for October 12th. I'm BVA. Today, we're going to talk about the unicorn and the NBA. We're going to review some of tonight's games, and we're going to talk to my man Alexander and preview the Southeast Division. So let's get started by focusing on our lead topic tonight, the unicorn. And this term unicorn, it's a title that's been given most recently to Chris Stapp's Porzingis of the New York Knicks. It's been used in marketing for the Knicks, marketing for the league as a whole through ESPN. If you don't know Porzingis, he was originally drafted by the Knicks uh, two or three years ago, drafted to booze. And they were sitting at the Barclays Center and like many New York's Knicks picks, he was drafted and the fans who were there booed who the pick was. They wanted any number of other people, Justice Winslow, somebody else. But... What he's known for now is his ability to play inside as a big man. He's seven foot three, if you don't know, uh, but also step back and shoot, and more importantly, drive to the basket. Call me unicorn because he's the big guy who can play like he's a small guy. His ball handling ability, his shooting, all of those things are some of the best in the league, to be frank. And when you watch him, it's really amazing to watch. In today's NBA, though, he's not the only player like this. He's not really a unicorn in the sense of its scarcity. Nikola Jokic uh, in Denver, and I'm here in Denver now, you know, he does a lot of the same things. We've also got Joel Embiid in Philly, who, when he can stay on the court, does a lot of the similar things as well. And frankly, this isn't really new. If you look back even within the last 10 years, Anthony Davis, this is a lot of the skills that he brought to the, the table when he came in the league. And even as far back as Dirk Nowitzki, when he came over more than 10 years ago, he was sort of thought of as a ball handler. He could shoot threes. It's this idea of a little bit even more than a stretch four, but almost a stretch five. All these guys are sinners, not power forwards. But there's something interesting, and, and I mentioned it with Dirk, that idea of coming over. It denotes that we're talking about players of, of foreign ancestry who came to the NBA from a country, generally from Europe. Now, why was that such a popular thing? Why did these guys come over and that's the way that they've done? I mean, we're talking about Dirk. We're talking about uh, Porzingis. We're talking about Jokic. We're actually talking about Embiid, too, who's from Africa. Was it, and can we attribute it to their fundamental play, the idea that the AAU system is breaking down and our players aren't learning fundamentals, aren't learning how to shoot? Can we attribute it maybe to the style of play? I don't know. I think that's probably been true in the past, but we're seeing it more and more amongst Americans as well. And the youth in particular, if you look at some of the biggest AAU tournaments, you're looking at guys who are not small, who are playing like they're small. We talked yesterday about the role of the point guard in the league and how that's really blossomed and how there's really on every team, there's at least a competent point guard. Could this be the response of the big men? You know, it's frankly affected other big men as well. You look at Boogie Cousins and his now propensity to want to shoot threes. Brooke Lopez is kind of a classic example. Somebody who, over the course of his career, up until last year, shot no more than three three-pointers during his career and then suddenly shot over 80. Recently this week in a game for the Lakers, he came in, he's you know still coming off injury, comes in in two straight possessions, the Lakers shot attempt is a Brook Lopez three. Something you would have never imagined. And if you know anything about Brook, that's out of his mind for three years ago, four years ago. So what does the future hold? Are we looking at positionless basketball? Is this a, a battle between specialists and generalists and looking for the players who can kind of play all positions, that Magic Johnson play all five kind of mentality? I don't know. My my gut says the league continues to ebb and flow. This isn't something that has only existed in the modern game, but it actually existed before it. We just thought about it differently. 
we haven't seen a Shaq or a Hakeem type player come into the league and be really featured for that inside game. We're seeing the game played at a much faster pace, and it's only a matter of time before that big man is able to get down the floor and be a big man again. We see it with some big men. We see it with Clint Capella as an example. Now, can Clint Capella rise to the level of a Shaq or Hakeem? Probably not, but he's a model for what we might see in the future as somebody who is quick, who is sure-footed, who can move laterally, and can really own the post. With that, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and talk about tonight's action. Welcome back, everyone. Let's take a look at the action on the court tonight. Let me start with Boston at Charlotte. This game was close early. The Boston took a lead after about three minutes. For, for Boston, this was really a dress rehearsal. Um, so we saw a glimpse of what we think their starting lineup is going to be to start the season. Steve Brad Stevens has said it's going to be fluid, but we got to see Irving Hayward and Horford, their big three, with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, which really looked good. You know, the big eye test takeaway for me was Irving's ability to run the offense, to distribute, and to find teammates in good situations all night long, whether it be under the basket, whether it be at the three-point line, whether it be literally just setting them up and spacing the floor as he did with Hayward in a couple situations. Both teams took care of the ball really well. Uh, only 13 team turnovers for the Celtics, which was a big deal. They led the, health, uh, led the game at the half, uh, 57-38. It was really over from there. Charlotte made a late-game run with their reserves, but it was really obvious that Boston was the better team here. Irving finishes with 16 points and 10 assists, played all of 27 minutes. Horford with 15 and 8 rebounds, and Hayward with 13. We also saw some nice run from Shane Larkin, who's been back and forth overseas and here. 9 points and 11 minutes for him. It'll be interesting to see what his future is. For Charlotte, Kemba, 20, or excuse me, 12 points and 6 assists. And Malik Monk had a really nice night, 21 points and 6 rebounds off the bench. Boston gets the win 108-100. Game never really in doubt. Much, much more of a blowout than what's indicated by the score. Washington visits Miami, and Washington jumped out their first team, leading by as much as 12 in the first. Uh, Wall and Beal really look ready for their regular season. Both their scoring and distribution is really at a, at a high. And we talked last night with uh, Trevor Utley about how they're entering the season with a chip on their shoulder, and you can see it. I mean, they just don't really seem to want to take any crap. They just want to go score win games. The Heat continued to rest Dragic. They did it again. He obviously had the busy summer. Mentioning to see what his role is going to be off the start of the season. Tonight, they also rested Whiteside and Waiters, in addition to some others. So we got a chance to see some of their depth, or maybe lack thereof. Um, Heat lead the game up until the very end, really, when the Heat made it close when both teams were playing their second teams. Um, Adebayo and Jordan Mickey. I talked about that depth of the Heat. They led the bench squads back into it. and In fact, Mickey hit the game winner, which you probably will see a highlight if you watch any of them. Game winners in preseason always anticlimactic to me just because it's the second team. You don't really get a chance to, to see how they would face up at the end of the games. Adebayo, 15 points. For Mickey, 12. I mentioned that game winner. He also had six rebounds, played 19 minutes. Kelly Olenek, 22 minutes. He was a starter tonight. They left him then. Eight points, four rebounds. It's going to be interesting to see if he can have the production and really the impact that he had in Boston in this new type of offense. For Washington, I mentioned Wall and Beal great nights. Wall, 16, 8 assists. For Beal, 15 and 4 assists. 
Kelly Oubre Jr. had a really nice night off the bench. 10 points and 14 rebounds for him. Miami gets that game winner, but again, the game really was owned by Washington. Final score, 117-115 Miami. Philadelphia visiting Brooklyn in the game played out on Long Island. The story of this game will be Joel Embiid, especially with his contract that he recently signed, with all of the hype surrounding him. That is the story of the game. But there's there's other storylines as well. Fultz was rested. Um, it's looking more and more like he's going to come off the bench to start the season, and that's an interesting decision. We're curious to see how long before he comes in. Philly really took the lead early and never let up. Um, Nets miss shots, and for a team like them, when they don't shoot the ball well, it's going to cause problems. But they also lack sufficient closeout D. They gave up 43% from behind the arc and 51% overall. And if you have a team like Philly and you give up 51%, you're going to lose. Really, the only bright spot for the Nets was D'Angelo Russell. He, D'Angelo Russell. He finished in traffic multiple times, took control multiple times, but really it was nowhere near enough. I mentioned the main story was Embiid. 22 points and 7 rebounds in 15 minutes. And largely, not to throw water on it, but largely that was because he went 14 for 18 from the free throw line. Now, that came about because nobody could really handle it. Also, sort of a, a misnomer because the Nets were trying rotations. The person who played him the most was Trevor Booker. He's a stretch four. They didn't really put Mozgov or Zeller up against him for long stretches. So when he was in, the Nets had really no chance to foul, but to foul him. So he goes to the line. He was able to convert 14 of those, so taking nothing away from him. But when you really dig in and look, Embiid had a great game. It's great to see him score so many points. It's great that he's back. But... Can he do that against real big men, against teams that are going to play him? Much less can he stay on the court. J.J. Redick also had a nice night with 18. Dario Saric, off the bench, 26 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 steals. Great night for him, starting to get to really get up to speed with what the uh, Sixers are going to do this year. Mention Russell had a good night, 24 points in his 24 minutes. Karis LeVert, also a nice night, 16 points off the bench for them. In the end, blowout for Philly, 133-114. Houston visiting Memphis, and one of the keys for Memphis has been trying to speed up their pace. Coach Fizdell's talked about it in terms of their new roster moves. Uh, if you've seen Mark Gasol, he trimmed down a bunch. And for the first half, Memphis was really keeping up with them. Um, they were keeping up with them, but it was also partially due to Houston's shooting. Houston only scored 44 in the first. So for a game that was going to be played at a high pace, for them to only score 44 is a little bit uh, of a red flag. Mostly because... Just like, as I mentioned, poor shooting. Harden 2 for 13 on the night from the floor. We get to the second half, though, and it's a little bit of a different story. And Fisdell talked about this in his in-game interview. Stamina came to play. Really, you know, for Memphis to keep up that pace and that uh, pressure for an entire game against a team as good as Houston was going to be trouble. Um, Mike Connolly really looked great. He's able to get to the basket pretty easily. Often, though, when he gets there, he looks to pass out. Contrast that with Harden, who was also able to get to the basket pretty freely, and he was looking to finish, or more importantly, get fouled. Um, Capella was really a bright spot for Houston. He ran the floor and was rewarded well inside and out. Very effective uh, all night long. Harden, I mentioned, shot poorly. 18 points, though, and 9 assists, mostly due to his 14 for 15 from the line. Chris Paul, 9.6 assists, 3 for 12 for him. So again, not great shooting from the two stars, but it was sort of picked up by everybody else. That's a good sign for Houston. Capella, 15 and 9 rebounds. For Memphis, Harrison had a great night, started 17 points. Gasol, 12 points, but only 2 rebounds. Didn't seem to be able to move as quickly. We'll see if that weight 
uh, having that weight off is going to affect his his stamina and his ability to go. In the end, Houston outran Memphis 101-89. to And finally, Portland at Phoenix. This game started close. Portland rested Nurkic, which meant they started Zach Collins, and Collins didn't exactly cover himself in glory. Um, Portland ended up taking the lead near the end of the first and, and never looked back. The game stretched out to 29 in the second half. The reserves brought it a little closer, but uh, really it was that starting core, Lillard and uh, McCollum, plus Turner and Aminu, a big part of that. Turner and Aminu were to plus 22 on the night. The Stars, Lillard and McCollum, they didn't really shoot so well, similar to what happened with Houston. 9 for 28 combined for those two. Miles Leonard is going to be an interesting story this season. He got to some good minutes, 24 minutes tonight, mostly because Nurkic was out. Zach Collins was not really effective. Gave them some stability. He finished with 17 points and 8 rebounds. I mentioned Turner with a nice night, 12 and 6 assists for him. Ed Davis, also nice. He started, played the 4, really had to come in and do some rebounding in place um, of Collins. He finished with 7 points and 12 rebounds. For the Suns, Josh Jackson played 40 minutes tonight, had 22 points and 7 rebounds. Eric Bledsoe played 23 and only had 2. So we're seeing the youth getting the time, being the source of of points and those kind of things. This team could be a mess. Um, Swanigan and Lynn got into a a funny little scuffle near the end, both got ejected. But really this was Portland's game, much closer score than what the game actually indicated. Uh, 113 to 104 was the final. We're going to take another quick break. Come back to preview the Southeast Division. Welcome back. Joining us now is my man, Alexander. How are we doing, Alexander? Doing fantastic. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to, to re- talk about the Southeast, and I want to start with your hometown team, the Atlanta Hawks. Um, they've been sort of the emeritus of this division for quite some time. But Oh, Lord, that's <laughs> giving them a lot of credit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you send five guys to the All-Star game or four guys to the All-Star game, and it does something for you, I guess. But uh, this is obviously going to be a rebuilding year. Um, yeah. So, first of all, let's just start with what's the mood on the team. I mean, I, I, from the outside, it seems like it's it's quite possible you could come to the conclusion that the Hawks never really reached their potential, but I'm curious what the mood is in Atlanta around not only the past couple of years, but in this team as we head into the season. I think the past couple of years has been a lot of letdowns, a lot of really painful trades. Um, but I'd say the mood now is, <laughs> it's just better to know, you know, that it's a rebuild year and be straight up with ourselves about it than feel the burn of hope again. Um, I don't think anyone has an expectation that we'll make it to the finals. That's for sure. Uh, we're not the Nets, so we're <laughs> happy about that. <laughs> but, you know, I think literally we're just going to have a fun season. I, I think it's going to be a fan rebuilding year for us, too. Uh, some good changes to the stadium down here, mm-hmm. to the arena. Uh, so we're going to have a good season. Fun watching, you know. Schroeder's haircuts. Yeah, and Sir Foster, you know, keeps it rolling, yeah, and that's all that Sir matters. Foster's, yeah, he's got a pretty sweet setup this year. Uh, I think we're all hoping that John Collins can, you know, transition from rookie to, you know, like Reginald or something. He needs to be – we're hoping he does something this year. With a name like John Collins, I mean, 
that's that's like the hardest name I've ever heard in my life. So I think he's got to be something. <laughs> better be. Um, let's talk for a second about Schroeder. You mentioned him. I mean, he's sort of the the known entity of this team in a lot of way. I mean, you had some nice pickups. You've obviously still got Bazemore, but you've got uh, Ilyasova who came over. Dwayne Dedman's not a unknown player, but Schroeder's the guy who you know what a year ago was put in a position to be the point guard of the future. He's been pretty hit or miss, to be honestly. Uh, to be honest, yeah. can can he keep this team relevant at all, or is this really going to be uh you know they're going to miss the playoffs? They're out. This is like lottery season for them. Uh, he, he, I don't think he can. He's uh, he's great, just like Bazemore's great. But they both have their stick, you know. Yeah. Like Schroeder's got his hair cut and his his lane <laughs> intruding, and Baze has his gaze, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think everyone is aware of that, and. I mean, he's a talented dude, but I, I don't. I think he lacks the leadership needed to do what we really need him to do, and what Atlanta is absolutely lacking. Um, I just think if you're not, like, if you're spending that much time trying to keep your hair tight and keep all your cars custom gold and potentially engaging in domestic abuse, you really don't have enough, you know, concentration or energy left to lead an NBA team. So, right. It's it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, I'm curious to see if. Like you mentioned, you know, John Collins sort of stepping up and becoming something. I mean, does Muscala do that? Does you know, Ilyasova do that? You know, um, the Bellinelli situation is very weird right now. He is not really mm-hmm. playing. But, you know, it's going to be an interesting year in Atlanta for sure. Um, let's slide over and talk about the Heat a little bit. They finished last season one of the best records in the NBA, in the NBA for the second half. First half, they were pretty deplorable. Um which team should we be expecting here? Should we be thinking we're going to get the second half again, or are we going to get the first half again? You know, they've got some interesting pieces as well. I think we're going to get a little bit of that second half early mm-hmm. in the season, but then when the the heat <laughs> builds up from the rest <laughs> of the teams, it's going to pack them down, and we're going to see that ugly side again. I think, I mean, I hate to say it, but I feel like some of that in the last season was other teams doing doing their rest thing and trying to get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Dragic had a great summer at Eurobasket, but, you know, we need him to be the best of what we saw in Phoenix, and, and I'm not sure he can be there. Whiteside has become the big guy who's carrying the weight there, and it just may be too much for him. I mean, man, it is too much for Whiteside. He doesn't, he's not a consistent guy. Like, he's great. He's talented. He has these crazy games. But, I mean, personally, I'm, I want to be able to just, give him the number just be able to give him the name boogie Whiteside, but i can't because he's not <laughs> he will never be that and he just doesn't uh, i don't know he's an awesome player but he's he's not the leader they need he's he's too spotty yeah he he could be a great star i mean it all kind of goes back to that christmas day game a couple years ago where he played great and the team lost, you know, mm-hmm. and it seems like ever since he's not really been able to put the team on his back to lead them. He sort of can have those great stats, but he can't do it as a team. Yeah, it will. It reminds us a lot of Atlanta. I mean, trying to do it without superstars, you only get so far, you know, without yeah. without enough support from enough really, really talented guys. Yeah. Moving up to Washington, speaking of, you know, the really talented guys, the stars, um, John Wall, Bradley Beal, both. All-stars, both you know, great players, didn't really get a lot of help, but they've come into the season with a chip on their shoulder. They feel like they've been disrespected. And to some extent, <laughs> that's probably true, frankly. Yeah. Um, having a chip on your shoulder is great, but it's all well and good until you can actually get some wins. You know, A lot of people like this team to be in the top half of the East, but is there anything about them that worries you? 
Uh, I I think they're going to die with the chip on their shoulder. I, I hope they make it to the top half of the of the East, but I don't think it's going to be enough uh, to advance them, even if they get in the playoffs to advance them at all. Um, it's just the same old, same old. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like, you know, when you look at the equation of that whole team and the, their starters looking at Otto Porter, I feel like if he doesn't just kill it and break out, then they're really just going to keep struggling. Yeah, it's interesting, especially in the East where you've got Cleveland who potentially is a little vulnerable. Um, they've retooled, but you've also seen Boston retool. You've seen you know uh, numerous mm-hmm. other teams, not to mention the West where tons of teams are retooled. To have a team like the Wizards that you know had so much potential really fought it out with Boston last year, just make no moves, um, mm-hmm. is, is, is a little puzzling. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what they're thinking in terms of flying with what they've got, but maybe they're going to be looking to make a move midseason or something. Yeah, I just want to see some more Ubre this year. That's all. Ubre. Yeah. Speaking of names that are amazing in the NBA. Uh, so Charlotte, you know, oh god, as an Atlanta fan, uh, you know, there were reports that in the locker room and in training when Dwight Howard. Uh, was traded away there was literally cheering when guys read the news on their phones um Dwight's sort of an interesting scene man you know he obviously is a, a great player but he really hasn't had a team that's been successful since he left LA anything leads you to believe this Charlotte team can be successful with him this year or is it really just another hell no. stop hell no <laughs> Dwight he's nothing but teeth that's it he's in the the tough thing, I feel bad for him, honestly, because so much is expected of him. I feel like even as someone who hasn't extensively tracked his career path, but it's he's got he does have the history. He's got the all star history. He's got the size and he's got the smile. And you just look at this dude and you're like, I expect otherworldly stuff from him. Period. And I think everyone does, and everyone thinks he's this magic puzzle piece that oh, you know what? He could work in my in my soup, and it doesn't work. Like, and I think the key to that is everybody's saying, we just need him to be like, you know, be his younger self. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's a big problem because one, nobody's going back in time. And two, that's some vague shit to say. The game has changed and the dude needs some clarity on what to do. You can't just tell this guy, be more like your younger self. It's just not working for him. And we saw that. Uh, time and time again here definitely had some trouble with that in Houston but I don't think it's I don't think it's going to work out yeah it seems like for Charlotte to be successful this year they're going to have to have a a great year frankly from Kemba Um, and he's somebody who's had he's had good years and he's had a lot of potential but he hasn't really arrived as being a superstar in this league do you you feel like this is the year he can do that or are we really just you know looking at another rebuilding year for Charlotte Man, I think it's going to be a rebuild year in some ways. I want Kemba to to break out real hard. The thing I think he's missing, it's like he doesn't have the drive or the chip on his shoulder like a Westbrook to do that without help around him. But he also doesn't have the team he needs to do like Durant has. You know, like he's not Durant who has everybody else around him. Um it might not be the best comparison, but it's, he just, yeah. it's missing, you know? And so I don't know what breakout looks like for him. Mm-hmm. Sure as I'll enjoy watching him play and he's awesome, but I don't know that 
I don't know how he and D Howard are going to work together. Well, you know, we'll see. Finally, let's uh, spend just a few moments talking about the magic. You know, they continue to be in rebuilding mode. They just let go of Ibaka. (laughs) They sort of uh, gave up on that experiment. Any reason to think we can get more than say 29 wins out of this team this year? No, <laughs> hard <laughs> no. Not. I'm telling you right now, if they win 30 games, Vogel will win the Coach of the Year award. Period. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's how it's going to go. Um, yeah, that's my prediction for them. Uh, my only other real thought on the Magic is that Aaron Gordon's going to get injured on Oof. some 360 dunk in November. Period. <laughs> it's just going to domino effect down from there. He, if nothing else, I would love to see him in the the dunk contest again. So an injury to him not only hurts, obviously, the team, but it hurts the NBA as a whole. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about this season. I can't wait to get going. Thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward to talking to you more soon. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. With that, I want to thank you for joining us, and we look forward to being heard tomorrow. You can subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and FeedBurner. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you want to be part of the show, you can drop us email at nba at sportsfromthebasement.com. Have a great day, everyone. 